Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Trying to make fights with myself, like the boys can attest. I was offering like two on one, three on one, cross facing me, ripping my face apart. It, um, I always get a bit like, you know, when people do interviews and they're like, oh, anyone who says they don't get that nervous is either dumb or a liar. And I'm just sort of there like, oh shit, maybe I'm dumb or a liar. <laughs> like, any promotion who messaged us to fight, like the reply was, if the guy's in the top 10 or like top 20 with a good record, we'll fight. Otherwise, we don't really want I tend to torture myself in my training as well. Mm. Like I put a lot of effort into it. I basically had a crack in my sternum. So I just hashtag like media outlets and was like somebody who knows him, tell him I said I'm going to fuck him up. <laughs> You're not going to see us fucking hugging and kissing afterwards. Like, mm. let's, just, let's just handle business then. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, and this is an episode of, let's call it my story, it's going to be a, a damn good chat, looking forward to speaking to my guest this evening, of course you know the place, Ace Podcast Nation, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, we've got uh, interviews, content with all sorts of guests, telling their stories, interviews, all that good stuff, and don't forget to check out uh, Violent Money, you can use the code ACE20, and get 20% off your training apparel, clothes, all sorts of gear. Good, good stuff, including t-shirts like this. This beautiful t-shirt, which I've got on now. And uh, I quite like it as well, because it suits me because I'm short and it's uh, quite a long t-shirt, nice slim fit for my massive muscles. But there we go. Uh, delighted to be joined today by Cage Warriors superstar, the Welsh Khabib. Mr. Ben Ellis, how are you, my friend? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's all good, mate. I'm never going to stop calling you the Welsh Khabib. You could lose, like, every fight from now until eternity. <laughs> but that one clip... Yeah, I got Aaron Cleo to thank for that one. He started yeah. that. There you go. That's it. It's stuck, haven't it? It's <laughs> just the way it is, mate. Um, so, kind of, like, with these ones, what I like to do is uh, go right back to the start sort of thing and just get a little bit of so people can get a feel for you. Yeah, and um, because we picked up a few like new viewers and stuff doing the ones in the studio as well, because uh, you just attract a different audience, I suppose. So, like, tell us a bit about where you, where you grew up and the upbringing, yeah, where it all began. But cool, um, so yeah, I grew up in Pathcore, uh, my grandfather was a pro boxer, so growing up, I don't think there was any real aspirations to fight or anything, but the fact that he'd fought pro we were going to know basic martial arts just in terms of defending yourself and like obviously that didn't go further than boxing mm. so we grew up hitting pads there's loads of photos of us like five six seven years old hitting pads but then same time the uncle was a rugby player okay. so he was well he was wales captain back in the day so you got one hand you want to try and copy your grandfather on the other hand you want to try and copy your uncle then my old man in all fairness to him he played first class rugby as well so that was the rugby thing. Yeah. And then my other uncle runs competitively. Oh, okay. So literally between like the four of them, all we're doing is training growing up. Um, I'd say 
uh, rugby was the most serious one up until about 16 when I was really getting that itch to fight. So unless you're in, we're in Puffcore Comp, which in all fairness is, mm-hmm. is quite a nice comprehensive, like it's, there's not a lot of sure. trouble, not a lot of fights or anything. And I was trying to start a fight promotion in the school. Oh, there you go. So like literally I was trying to make fights with other people, trying to make fights with myself, like the boys can attest. I was offering like two on one, three on one. Like why the fuck I thought I'd win a fight three on one is yeah. beyond me. <laughs> like those Russian fights which have been going around social media recently. Yeah, yeah, they're like off the red, isn't it? Yeah. So it's to be fair, in true Puthcall style, I think we had two events and then we got shut down. <laughs> yeah, no surprise, it got shut down. Yes. <laughs> Good effort. Good effort. I hope you charge tickets at least. No, I didn't. I was all about the. Uh, I was all about pleasing the fans. So there was no money. <laughs> <laughs> Free events. Yeah, I need to sort it out. Um, so then yeah, I was doing amateur boxing, playing rugby. Um, got to a decent level of rugby. In all fairness, it played mm. some Welsh Premiership games. Um. But as it went on, I was much more interested in the martial arts side of things. But then there was something about boxing which wasn't quite ticking it for me. I think mm. a big part of that was just in boxing. A lot of them very thin, they rely on range. And I was looking at them and I was just thinking, me being short and stocky, I wanted to basically grapple with them. And again, yeah. I didn't know any grappling at the time. But then when I was uh, in uni in Gloucester, I went to Trojan Free Fighters. And I was going there primarily for the boxing class. But you know what it's like, you're going to travel like half hour, whatever it was, to Cheltenham. There's a boxing class on at this time, and then before or after that, there might be a jiu-jitsu class, whatever. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. So they threw me in with one of their purple belts, just like, you know, in true, like, jiu-jitsu fashion. They give you some of the experience to start with just mm. so they can, like, teach you, to, teach you to respect jiu-jitsu, yeah. 20 seconds in, or not even 20 seconds, like five seconds in, arm triangle. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know he's got me, friend of noise. Let's go again. Boom, arm triangle, arm triangle, arm bar. Over and you're just getting subbed over and over again. And then, same as everyone, then you think, what, you're either that's the last time you see that guy or easier forever. So, yeah, that was me. There was no way I was going to let somebody do that to me. Like, without me at least trying to do it back or being able yeah. to do it back to some degree. So, um, I was basically fully into it from there to the point where I was still playing rugby. But, like I was doing stupid stuff. Like I'd be going training before games because I didn't want to miss MMA training. But I was getting a bit of money for the rugby as well, so I couldn't not play. Yeah. Um, just trying to fit it all in. Yeah, yeah. Like not not serious money or anything. Just I was in uni, just so like yeah, time. that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by that point I was I was fully on the MMA bandwagon. And then when uni ended, then I was back in Wales. Um, I knew Josh Ellis, who was gold medalist in the IMAF. Um. So I literally just dropped him a message about it. And, you know, all the fighters will tell you the same thing. If a thousand people drop you a message about training, mm. maybe one or two will turn up. And of that one or two that turn up, 5% of them will actually fight. Yeah. But yeah, you mentioned you were training with, say, Lou Long, Wayne Samuels at the mat. I turned up, never left. Fast forward, God knows how many years later, and then, yeah, here we are. Good stuff, mate. So with the rugby, mate, was it like... Um... So you said you were pretty good. Was there ever like a chance would you, where you could have pursued that as like a professional? I, no, I, I don't think so. I wasn't bad. What I wasn't bad. Eskrimov. So like I was, I was decent, but like decent to the point where like I was in the Osprey 16s, mm. uh, Osprey 18s, all that stuff. And then so you played some Welsh Premiership games. Uh, I got a scholarship at Harvey College, that type of thing. But then in terms of making it as a pro, I think there was just a couple of things. I think probably the biggest thing was I didn't love it. Yeah. I was doing it because, yeah. It's hard then, isn't it? Because mm. you've got to put the work in and, like, 
I was good at football when I was like a teenager and I got to like a certain level and I loved it when I was playing to a certain level where I was like one of the best players and then you'd go to like the school of excellence or the academy and then everyone was really good mm. and I didn't know anyone so it was just a bit like nah. so I like I would go but I it wasn't the same yeah. and I didn't have at that point the kind of work ethic and the motivation to think I'm not going to go out with my mates and drink or hang around the streets or do whatever because I want to be a professional footballer so it was never they were never gonna it was never gonna mesh and I think to be like a professional athlete if you don't love it and have that motivation to get up like we talked about Gavin Gwynn just now before we started like he gets up at like five like I'm sure you'd probably do gets up at like five goes for like a run and does all sorts of stuff before he even has breakfast and then does like the school run or whatever like if you haven't got that motivation to do that before you even you know before you're really kicking off your day you, you're done before you're you done, start. yeah, yeah you, you, you're beating yourself before you've had to face anything else and i think um it's interesting isn't it because like like you you've come from a family which is like full of athletes in it and sometimes i think with that if you've got um like grandparents uncles parents or whatever who've who do a certain, you know, who love something, it can sometimes have the opposite effect, kind of, where the, the kids go the opposite way. Yeah. Like, they don't want to play rugby or they don't want to do sport just because their parents or their family are so bang into it. But obviously you didn't, you went the yeah. same way. I think that's a, what you said there with the kids going the opposite way is when the parents are pushy. Yeah. Like, it might, mine weren't pushy at all. Like, my grandfather definitely didn't want me to box. Like, but I think that's the thing and not many parents want their kids to go and get punched in the face yeah, like yeah, that's all it. of my kids want to do I think I might have asked you this before but like all my kids like, they're like 17, 14 and 13 at the moment middle one's 15 in a couple of weeks and like the um, they all want to do well maybe the middle one not so much but I think he would like to do something like boxing or something they all want to do like a bit of MMA or taekwondo or something and my missus is just like uh, don't she not fast like she just thinks that they're Italy they will end up fighting more because they've got those skills yeah I know what you mean it's but, a fine line you know yeah and I like I don't think they would because um, Richard Shaw works at their school so like I just think like um, they would probably start doing it with him because well, they they used to do like boxing classes in the school with him yeah. um, but with COVID and stuff they kind of stopped it and I don't think they've started it back up and like I was hoping that they would so that they could just kind of do a bit and then see like I think the older one would love it but I don't know like sure MMA is a bit of a track for me like from oh, Cardiff yeah every like if you were going to go like a couple of nights a week it's yeah. like well it's going to be what 45 minutes yeah it's like a 40, yeah. 45 hour yeah. journey it took me an hour to get up to um what's his head Joe or inexperienced real and I think he lives like up by there somewhere. yeah it's, 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 it's right a in the middle of nowhere and it's, it's an yeah. hour from call as well it's a shit hour from everywhere like it's alright like what, like once now and again and then like if you're going up there like I went up there to record a podcast that was fine but like t- when you've got to commit to something like a couple of times a week or whatever especially like for me as a, as a dad like it's a lot because yeah, I, I got that. three kids who want to get here yeah. and everywhere and I, like I do stuff I say that I, like, I do podcasts most nights so it's like 
it's hard. But um, what about so like you had so the rugby you were pretty good at, but just didn't quite love. Yeah, it was the team element for me. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, one of the Osprey's coaches at 16 like hit the nail on the head. They, you know, they used to do like performance reviews and stuff. Mm. And he was dead honest guy, very nice guy. To be honest, I can't remember his name. This <laughs> makes me feel like an asshole. <laughs> he literally said, he was like, Ben plays a game of rugby. Like there's a checklist of things in his head, which means he's played well. Yeah. And the rest of it can go to hell. And that was exactly it. Like so long as I was playing well in my head, I'd won. Like I'd got the better of the opposition nine. Yeah. And if that happened, the score could be thirty five ten to the other team and I'd be like, Whatever, I, I got yeah. the better of him. I had a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Um It's team sports are weird though, isn't it? Because like in some ways that's a good attitude to have. Because if you're doing your individual job, that's your job, isn't it? But then obviously most team sports they want you to think that or even if you have a bad game, let's help the team win, sort yeah, of thing. That's it. And it's it's a weird kind of correlation i guess what about the like the did you say one of your uncles was like a runner as well yeah 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 so um basically runs 10ks um and half marathons but trains like an absolute demon um so he's a lot older now i think he's 54 now but does he still do them yeah yeah he does and all that's obviously a lot, a lot slower than what he used to got an animal to keep doing our uh, support, we still do conditioning with him now every sunday we do track work especially when we're getting ready for a fight mm. and he just separate my brother does it with me as well so it's good to have him there and he just tortures the pair of us yeah but fair play to him he's there doing it as well he said he can't quite keep up anymore oh mate if i was <laughs> him i'd be taking you on like the mountain runs yeah just I to punish you <laughs> jesus 10ks that's um that's like a proper hardcore running, isn't it? Like, yeah. I see though, like I see, um, the kind of a couple of people who do like marathons and stuff regularly, and they just go out every day, like, and run miles and miles and miles. And I just think, like, like obviously I can't do it now, but like, even when I was fit and stuff and healthy, I don't know if I'd want to just run that much. Yeah, I like I don't mind, I'd like especially yeah. where I've had it taken away from me, like. I'd quite like to go for a run a lot, a lot now, and I think oh, I'd love to go, especially because I live by like Rove Park, and that was quite nice. I'd like, oh, I'd, and I get up early. I'd be like, oh yeah, I go if I would go for a run. Yeah, like I the could. therapeutic element. Yeah. yeah, but like the thought of doing like, you know, like ten, fifteen miles or whatever, like or whatever. I don't know, like a lot, like I'm the equivalent of training for a marathon, like every day. I just think that can't be fun. Like it's got to yeah. hurt your body, like every day, especially when you're training for ten. Like I think his his PB half marathon's one twenty seven. Mm. So it's pretty good going in all fairness. I think he did that at 42 as well. Because he didn't start running competitively until later in life. Okay. So like with his training, the whole emphasis is speed. Like all the time. So you're pushing it regardless. And it just yeah. absolutely hurts. So even though you're doing like long distance, he's just speed still just all going speed. and going yeah, and going. Yeah. Good for your fitness, mate. Isn't it? it is good for your fitness. I'd say, um, I know Jack Shaw's been running him and I were talking about this the other day. I just think you can't really, I don't think, you look at the guys who are renowned for having cardio in the cage, they're mm. all runners, like the Diaz brothers, Bisbing. You can just keep reeling them off. Mm. I think there's something about running which translates to the cage really well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes with other sports like football or rugby or whatever, like um, stamina doesn't always transfer to playing on the pitch, like because you're doing a lot of like short sprints and stuff. So it doesn't like obviously if you're super fit, you're super fit and you but like and you gym you can go for a long time. But like it doesn't always translate like 
you see people come back from injuries and they need a few games to kind of yeah get a bit of match fitness but you reckon like that sort of aerobic fitness translates quite well over I, I to think so I think so like, to, a, to a point like not to the point where I'm running like five six days a week I yeah. probably run twice maybe three times a week if that because I saw John Danner post the other day and he was talking about this guy who lives in New York and mm. he used to be a world class runner so now his job is basically a personal trainer in New York but specialising in running so he basically runs with people all day so I say he's got six seven eight clients in a day he's running with each of them like doing various distance so he got in touch with Danner about doing one to ones Mm. so we started doing one to ones whatever and eventually the guy's gonna go to a class and spar with like other white belts and he said two three rounds in the guy's knackered yeah. and he's just like looking at this guy like how like this is literally like a world class level endurance guy and he's shattered like I think just can't do it yeah efficiency of the movement and like specificity to the sport is is king mm. but then yeah at the same time I think there's something about running yeah, I see. You know, I see um, like Jack and Oban and that. They or do they do a lot of cycling and stuff like that as well? I see them all the time in the summer last year. Yeah, they went like cycling. I suppose there was COVID and that, wasn't there? So that we had to find new ways, had to find ways to train and get fit. I suppose, wasn't there? Um. So you come out of so you sort of so you do just drift away then. Once you stop, once you finish uni and you come back to Wales. Do you just stop rugby then? Yeah, or I just, was I was one hundred percent on MMA then. Done. Yeah, on that train. Do you remember the first time you met Lewis? Yes, I do actually, because I got stitched up because Lou don't listen. So I walk into the gym and I'm like, oh guys, like nice to meet you, blah blah blah. Like I know, like you know what it's like when you first meet somebody, especially in an MMA gym. You want to like come across like you're not another idiot, but yeah. at the same time you don't want to try and make out like you know everything because then of course, yeah. everybody knows those are the guys that don't last it out so I was like look my name is Ben I'm from Core like I know Josh I've done a fair bit of boxing um, like I say whilst I didn't compete that much in boxing I think I had like 10 to 15 fights something like that right, okay. so but, like I was training for years so. yeah so nothing like having 50 fights but I'd done a lot of it so I was like I've done a bit of boxing and I've done a little bit of MMA as well because I've been tra- training in Gloucester um, and yeah this is the crack but literally, Lou had a fight book for Shea Mills. And all he heard was, I've been training in Gloucester at Trojan. Yeah. And I didn't even know he was fighting Shea because at that point, like, when I left, just, I didn't know. So <laughs> he got in his head that I was training at Trojan and I'd basically wandered into his gym to spy on him. <laughs> so he got all of the boys to come after me. And this goes on for, like, probably a month. Maybe a little bit less. But maybe, maybe I'm being dramatic. Maybe three weeks, two, three weeks. <laughs> And then they're like, oh, so, so what's the crack game? When, when do you go back to Gloucester? I was like, I ain't. Like, I'm home. <laughs> they were like, oh. They're like, oh, we thought you were here to spy on Lou. I was like, no. I said, I've been training at Gloucester and now I'm here. They were like, oh, fucking hell. We thought you were a spy. Like, I ain't a spy. <laughs> and, then, and then we were all right then. Just bad. But honestly, for that two or three weeks, like, I didn't have, actually, Just I'd done like a few months of grappling, so like nothing compared to him and he's, cross facing me ripping my face apart beautiful good times <laughs> that's, that seems like quite a Lewis thing as well yeah 100% <laughs> I like that that's really funny <laughs> so <laughs> so like you were you said like you're on board fully now for MMA and that was it <coughs> sorry was it like um, at that point were you still sort of like just looking at it as like a like a fitness thing or was this 
already starting to be, you know, I want to do this. I want to have some yeah, fights. No, at, at that point, compete. I wanted to fight. Yeah, literally, like, as soon as as soon as I knew what MMA was, mm. I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to be fighting. 100%. I want to do this. Yeah, because it was, it was everything I liked about boxing without everything I didn't like about boxing. Mm. Yeah, and then well, I was we've seen thinking, some what we don't like about boxing on Saturday. Oh, uh, you know I haven't seen the fight, but I've heard plenty Jesus about it. Jesus Christ, it's been nonstop on social media. Actually, I was watching the UFC and I just seen Twitter I go nuts, okay. and literally I was like, this, this is why I'm watching the UFC. Like, yeah. just, it's um, I just find it depressing. Like, like um, Jack Cattrall, like, there's there was these pictures of him as a kid, like boxing, like he's clearly loves the sport, and then um, he literally like he's worked all his life for that he stepped aside last year so uh taylor could go and unify all the titles because mm. he was supposed to have a title shot and then he finally gets his shot completely outboxed him and they're and just heavy in it yeah it's, it's just wrong like and that's why people have kind of sweat i think switching off from boxing and they yeah they, like you do get the odds decision which raises eyebrows in MMA but it's like it's a it is a rarity I reckon because generally even in even in those ones in MMA where you're a bit like mm, there was one on Saturday I think it was the women's fight um on the main card where I was like kind of thought the other were yeah the other woman won yeah a few people said that but it was close yeah and it's like you don't very often get ones where it's like it's an outright one-sided, yeah, 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 and it's like, come on. Yeah, I think with MMA, it's like there's an element of like just incompetence to it, yeah. where one judge will come back with something, and you're like, what the, what the fuck was that? But oh. then to have all three outright lie, I'm like, yeah, that's that's not incompetence. Where you see like with the Olympics and stuff, they've caught they've caught judges being corrupt, haven't they? Plenty of times, yeah. like I think Roy Jones, they caught the judges that did him. Well, that's why. Um, I think it was Roy Jones wouldn't come and fight in Britain. Who was it, Roy, Roy Jones? Someone, one, someone. Oh no, it might be Terence Crawford actually. Yeah. Now, like he won't come over and fight in the UK because he don't trust the judges. So after that, it's hard arguing, isn't it? Yeah, but like I've always kind of saw it as our British fighters get screwed over if they go to like Mexico or or America. But then the more I've paid attention to boxing over the last couple of years and where we've had Ben on talking about like boxing and he knows the ins and outs of it all and he's like a real historian for it. He kind of like has opened my eyes a bit more and it's actually it's more the other way around. Like, yeah. But sorry state of affairs that isn't it? Yeah, it's embarrassing, mate. I think I just think like just doesn't do boxing any favours at all that like things like that on Saturday. It just makes people yeah. think oh, what's the point? Did like I did Josh Taylor say he thought he won as well? Yeah. Because I was, I felt sorry for him. I saw people going at him, and I was like, look, it's not his fault. He fought, and the judges I gave think... him the nod. But then when he said that he thought he won, but then by all accounts, his own corner during the fight were like, mate, you need to finish him, like, 100%. Yeah. So did. it's like, you don't. You're not going to come out and see. He's not going to come out and say, uh, the judges have got that wrong. I get yeah. that. But, like, his statement after the fight was a bit, like... Oh, mate, you'd be a bit of a dick there. Yeah. Whereas yeah. people he put one out yesterday, mm. and I thought that was much better. He kind of said, how he, without saying he lost the fight, he said how well Jack Cattrall did, did, and then like his misses and his family are being taken a load of abuse, and it's not their fault. They didn't yeah, do crazy, it. You know what I mean? And it's like the judges. It's not like the judges were all like Scottish judges or something. Like there was, 
think it's like an, I think they were English judges. So like, it's not even like a, you know, it was in Scotland and they're yeah. all Scottish. It was just a, just a weird thing. Even the judge who got it right, like who gave it to Catro, only gave it to him by like a point or something. And it's yeah, like he's still way off. He like. won like I think seven rounds on the bounce or something. Mm. Yeah, it's just uh, a weird see, thing. Isn't it? Yeah, the thing is, in boxing, this happens so many times now that everyone's shocked, but they're not shocked. Like, I think that one was shocking because it was so bad, but the concept is. Yeah, it's like it's why I stopped watching boxing because I was just bored of it. Like, I was. Because you invest your, even as a viewer, like, you invest your time in watching a round fight, like, and it goes to 12 rounds. And, like, Saturday, like, it was, it was a good fight, but, like, the guy, Jack Catterall's performance was what made it like enjoyable as a viewer because you were like, he's the underdog. This is his big chance. Mm. Josh Taylor's like the guy who, in my opinion, does deserved a lot more credit than what he's got for like his achievement of unifying all the titles. Yeah, he hasn't got anywhere near the the media like the Chris Eubank Jr. got when he fought down here. Yeah. And it's like he deserved that, but then equally that's what made Jack Catterall's performance so special yeah and then you see the result and you're just like mm. like i didn't really care who won like I, I didn't really have a dog in the race like it, i wasn't really bothered yeah it was just a fight like i was looking forward to watching it and i was gonna watch the ufc and like you watch it and then you spend like your 12 rounds or whatever watching it and then it's like well i won't bother next time <laughs> because it's just, just, yeah it leaves this weird like yeah. bit of taste in your mouth and like i was stuff like and I was like, afterwards I was thinking why are you pissed off you don't really care yeah, but it's like the concept pisses you off yeah. yeah and I did I, yeah, I just felt sorry for him like, but um, so how many amateur fights did you have then once you come I, back to Wales oh uh, MMA fights yeah um, eight so yeah I had eight that was eight were they all down here yeah no there was one in Liverpool and then the rest were in Wales to be fair mm. But all like whilst you were training down here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never fought when I was training in Gloucester. All my fights have been so in Trojan. That's Jack Stone's thing, isn't it? Uh, Paul Sutherland. Yeah, sorry, Paul Sutherland. I think. Which one's Jack Stone? Um, I should know this, but I should as well because I speak to Jack quite often to get his <laughs> fighters on. I can't remember what it is, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Trojan Paul Sutherland, isn't it? That did not as well. Yeah, so it's nice. I only trained there for I reckon my guess would be five months, something like that, four mm. months. You've got some but, good fighters up there, Yeah, very good. Obviously, the Fig Life brothers, in particular, the point of the standout ones. But, yeah, there's a load of, load of really nice guys up there. And like I say, they were the first ones to show me grappling and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, grateful to those boys. So, did you ever get to face the person who tapped you out, like, five times in a row? One no, you was Mario Said. I don't even think Mario would recognise me. I saw him at a show, and I sort of looked at him, and he looked at me, and I was, like, sort of giving him high, and I don't think he recognised no. me. But uh, I haven't seen him since, actually. But if I saw him now, I would... I'd obviously grab him and say, yeah, yeah. And tap him say yeah, you're the first guy <laughs> ever who's like, show me what grappling is. So say, Mario was always very nice to me, to be fair yeah. to him. That's the way. So, eight amateur fights. Do you remember your first one? Yeah, the first one was on Richard Shaw show. Um, so, like, Cage Warriors Academy in Newport. Okay. Um, they put me in with another debut. They have, they have some awesome shows on those Cage yeah, Warriors Academy Yeah, Sh- Shaky does it well, in all fairness to him. I say, I spent quite a lot of time up um, Shaw sure, I mean, I go up once a week for sparring. All right, so, like, obviously, after training this up, I speak to everyone. And yeah, he just he does it well. Like he spends time researching the fighters, makes even fights. Yeah. Like I think he said, I think it was on a post or something that he sort of prides himself on not having a load of first round finishes. Yeah. Like he wants competitive fights, whereas you see a lot of other promotions, 
we were saying, oh yeah, we had 15 fights and 14 of them ended in the first round. So yeah, because you put you, people up against yeah. the non-match that like, and that's, that's it. It's not what it's supposed whole, to be yeah, about. Yeah. Amateur's supposed to be learning, isn't it? And yeah. And even, even pro MMA, I think pro MMA is about it being a fight. Yeah. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna be a bookmaker and you're gonna put odds on it, you know it's relatively similar. Like you've only got to look at an MMA show versus a boxing show. Look at the odds. It's yeah, non-comparable. It's true, isn't it? The um, I just think I don't know what it is. I think um, some of the MMA, uh, sorry, the Cage Warriors Academy shows, um, which I think it was the Southeast one, most recently was pretty good, but like some of them, you're right, they're like, they aren't, they're nowhere near as good as the Welsh one, like. Yeah. They've had some really big people on the Wales ones as well, like obviously guys have gone on and, and done well. So what was you like before your first fight? Were you nervous? and? No, I wasn't, to be honest. Do you get nervous at all now? Really? Not, not really, no. I, a little bit, I think. You're going to have a bit of anxiety or whatever. Yeah. But... It, um, I always get a bit like, you know when people do interviews and they're like, oh, anyone who says they don't get that nervous is either dumb or a liar. And I'm sort of there like, oh shit, maybe I'm dumb or a liar. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, a little bit, a little bit nervous, but not nothing like what some people get like at the end of the day no one's forcing you to fight no one's forcing you to turn up you chose to do it you want to do it so yeah. why why are you nervous go go have a fight and have a bit of fun what was your amateur record uh eight and oh yeah eight and oh so it was a bit annoying because i didn't get that many finishes i think i had three finishes out of eight but then i didn't lose a, i lost one round i lost one round but then that was because i say that was because well, it wasn't my fault yeah no, they, uh, <laughs> There was a miscommunication with the weigh-in, so it was a day before weigh-in at seventy kilos. Mm. But we thought that it was the same day weigh-in because in Wales, all of the amateur, amateur shows are same day weigh-in. Okay. So we get a call on the Friday, being like, "Where's Ben?" And he was like, "Forgot about." But like, yeah, yeah, like we're at the weigh-ins now, and you need here. So we said, "Look, fuck it, chuck do a video weigh-in." So like, literally, just chuck him on a scale mm. with blah blah blah, and then the fight can happen tomorrow. But as we're going up there, it's like, well. If he's done a day before weighing, he's not going to be 70 kilos tomorrow. And I'm obviously 70 kilos because I was getting ready for a same day weighing. So we yeah. got into the cage and he was so much bigger than me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I dropped a round to him and then I won the next two rounds then, so I won a punch. But, but yeah, so sometimes it's tricky to get people out of there in amateur. Like the gloves are quite big, so they mm. can like use their armpit and things to like block the glove okay. when you're trying to ground upon them. And then three minutes isn't that long. Yeah, it goes quick, doesn't it? Yeah, so by the time they like, say you... So you do something on the feet, take them down, work your way to a good position. You get to a good position, Rounds over. and it's like right, you got take. If you're lucky, twenty seconds left. They're like right, twenty seconds isn't that long. I can sort of hang on to like buy some time. Mm. Whereas if you hit the deck, say in the same time frame, you're gonna have two minutes plus left. They yeah. can't play that game. And then yeah. Do you know when you do like um, when you train, just now and that? Do you train to kind of? get stuff done in a certain amount of time so like obviously you said there like you know like uh, do some stuff on a feet get them down work to a good position yeah do you train to try and get that done because obviously you, you know you've got five minutes to get yeah. it done um but do you train specifically i just interested really just yeah train specifically to try and get there in a certain amount of time sometimes just... yeah Lou's quite big on this like something doesn't always want to do five minute rounds sometimes threes mm. but when we're doing the threes like we're chasing the finish chasing the sub chasing the whatever like get to a position where you could finish like really up the work rate um primarily i'd say we do fives yeah um i was just interested so, yeah. in whether you've done it like 
if you sometimes looked at it like that, or if it was, you know, you just like separate the aspects. Yeah, no, like I that. know what you mean. Mm. It's an interesting idea. So we do a little bit of it, not not too much. Like I like doing fives just because I want to make five minutes so ingrained. Yeah, I, I know. So where you I am know. Anyway. So you know, you you don't need someone to tell you there's a minute yeah. left or whatever. It's just you know how long's left or not. We've done that with our Thai coach Joey. Like obviously famous three minutes, but if we do a three minute tie round. Mm. put a stopwatch on without a beep and he'll call it and he'll call it close like always within 10 seconds like he knows he knows where he's at like it's but it's a skill in itself yeah isn't it? of course it is and it's it's, it's just ingrained in you in it yeah and repeatedly and repeated like just repeated behavior over and over you just get used to it i guess yeah. we're lucky you never been always look at the screen in this yeah, that's, that's it it's, you, and you they tend to tell you anyway don't they but um yeah. so do you remember the moment where like you would sort of every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the lifelock million dollar protection package Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Decided, right, we're going to go pro. Because, like, um, you said you're a and O amateur. In the latter part of that, those eight, was it getting to the point where it was like, I don't know, like, sort of, right, I mean, probably need to yeah. move it along a bit now because you obviously hadn't taken, you'd lost one round in those mm-hmm. eight fights. Is there a point, part of you or a part of your coaches where they're sort of saying? Um, to be honest, it wasn't really discussed like in any capacity whatsoever. Like we were more chasing top 10 guys, you know, on topology. Yeah. So like any promotion who messaged us to fight, like the reply was, if the guy's in the top 10 or like top 20 with a good record, we'll fight. Otherwise, we don't yeah. really want to know like one one promotion, I think. So what would I have been? I would have been, I would have been 6-0. and oh, And they wanted us to fight a local guy who was 2-0. and oh. It was just like, why? Yeah. Like, why? What? What's, what's the point? Like, and then, in all fairness, then, uh, had a few fights on Budo in, um, in Swansea with Dino. Mm. Um, he got in touch with an Irish guy who I think was 7 0 at the time, something like that. Okay. Again, ranked highly. So he came down and then I fought Scotty Pedersen then for the Cage Warriors Academy title. So we weren't so much talking about pro, it was more talking about who can you bring down. Yeah. And then, does it get to a point in the amateurs then where there's just you've almost run out of people to fight? Like? Yeah, because they a lot of them go pro, and you're like, oh, okay, so like I'm here. I think I was ranked number one when I went pro, to be fair, but two something like that. Mm. But say for argument's sake, when I was ranked eighth, I was like, right, cool, I got say the top twenty, so I got another nineteen people I can look at, and then all of a sudden they're gone because they've gone pro. Yeah. So then you're like, oh fuck, so might as well go pro, and then yeah. and that's all it was really. And I say I won, I won that title. Um. The Cage Warriors Academy one, and then I think Shaky then just messaged Lou saying, Look, does Ben want to go pro on the next show? And it was just like, Yeah. So, what did you do? Did you do a pro fight on Cage Warriors Academy then? Did you? No, I did it on um, on the full Cage Warriors, but I think with with um, with the ones they do in Wales, which are shows involved, so it was almost like an academy that's linked yeah. with the main Cage Warriors. Right, it's great. So, who was, a, who was your first pro fight? Uh, Brad Evans. Done. Yeah, like, I like Brad's very well. Yeah. I like Brad. It was a bit annoying because. I'll be dead honest without being disrespectful to him. I think his record was 
two and ten at the time, uh, or maybe okay. two and nine, something like that. So I didn't want to do it. Mm. So no, no, like get me someone proper. Again, I'd say that I don't want to be disrespectful, but I, I, re- I really like Brad. But I think he'd be he'd be the first one to say that he's not necessarily turning up to win. Yeah, he's turning up to like compete, have a bit of fun, and if he loses, he loses, and then mm. whatever. So I said, whereas like, you were looking to kick off your career, and yeah, well, I was I was looking to take his head off, like, mm. and. Did you finish him, yeah. Yeah. Ideally, I wanted someone in there who was going to try and do the same to me. Um, but again, he's like, with, with those pro gloves, it is different to MMA. Like, Did it take you long to adapt, like a bit of time to adapt to No, it's the pretty, pretty much just suiting my game. So I do a lot of, I do a lot of like wrestling riding. It's like I took Brad down, got onto his hip. And then rather than having that big arm at the glove where they can mm. like sort of latch onto a point, you basically just got your knuckles. And again, that's, less that he can block as well so i was just clipping him with shots and then before you know it, he's got a cut on his forehead thinking oh no i'm not even really trying to hurt him at this point point. Yeah. and i'm already marked him up and then i think about a minute and a half two minutes in i managed to get in a good position and it was like four or five clean left hooks and it was it was done then he was covered in blood a little bit yeah <laughs> so i hurt his jaw right in but he did have a bit of blood in him too so i'm good <laughs> so um when was the first fight in your pro career where you felt like like it was a proper challenge, like a real um, this, this guy's gonna try and take my head off? Probably Crawford. So my second fight after Brad was with the Greek guy. Mm. I think he was two and one at the time. But like we knew he'd done a bit of jujitsu. He was tall, I think he was six one. Okay, that is quite tall. Yeah, for Featherweight, very well, tall, yeah. yeah. So it was sort of like for him, like the same height as me, more or less. Yeah, I'm 5'8, yeah. So I was like, in the build up to that, we like, right, he's gonna have, we know he likes jujitsu, so he's gonna probably gonna go to his back. He's gonna have really long legs. He's gonna try and tangle you up. So for that reason, I was like, show, I show everyone respect, to be fair. Everyone's mm. dangerous, do you know what I mean? Anyone can clip anyone. But at the same time, I was like, with, again, no disrespect to like Greece and stuff like that, but when they come over, they're either amazing or they're not the best. Yeah, there's no in between, really, is there? Yeah, and I was sort of gearing up for him to be not the best. I don't, I, to be honest, I don't really know how he's done since. Mm. So I haven't really got a gauge of how good or how bad everything. he was. Uh, Rafael Scurez, very nice guy in all fairness to him. Um, and again, I don't think he was bad, but he, his game plan was to try and stay long. So you could just tell by the way he was kicking, he was trying to just keep me at that range, but I caught his kick, took him down. And then I knocked him out then from half guard. Um, so you'd go on and do do something similar. Pardon? You'd do something similar in one of your later fights as well, no? Oh no, that was the one. That was that the was one. The one that was the one that everyone likes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Welsh um, Khabib. Yeah. So then from there it was we went into COVID then. So at this point I wasn't signed exclusively with Cage Warriors, so I literally just done one fight deals. And with COVID, we were hearing that they were only going to match their signed guys. Right, okay. So I was basically just being a pest, Ian on Twitter, trying to get a match. And they offered us Kingsley Crawford. So I'm 2-0. and I think Crawford was 5-2 and at the time. So what's that? Seven fights versus two fights. So he's got mm. treble the experience of you. And he had more amateur fights. So I think he had 11 or 12 amateur fights. So like... He's Lou, a good fighter, to be fair. Yeah, he's not bad, not bad at all. Like, So Lou was a bit like, oh... Like, look, it's not that it's not that we're nervous about Crawford. It's just the fact that, like, why would you give up treble the experience? Yeah. And I was like, look, with COVID and stuff, it's gonna be that or nothing. Yeah, I think 
that's the thing, and it like you got to just either you got to mm. take the opportunity because yeah. You know, as I say this, I might be talking absolute shite, and it might have been before COVID. I can't even remember now. I think it was at the start when they were like the first. I can't remember if it was yeah, on the no, first yeah, trilogy well, right, or it if was. it was on the one. You know the one. So the last show before COVID was the one where Mason won the first title he won. That was it. And I was supposed to be fighting him because that's, that's what happened. I so I basically said to Louis, like, look, well, I want to fight him. So fair play to Louis, give the green light so we can go match with him. And then that was supposed to be in Manchester. And then literally on the way there, they were like, yeah, he ain't coming. And I literally, I never got a clear reason why of anyone. They just said not COVID related. So I was a bit like, what the fuck? This is, this is Tuesday. We're traveling to Manchester. I'm literally in the car with my brother. Um, and they were like, look, if you turn up and make weight, you might get a fight, but you'll get paid. And no disrespect to KJYS, I didn't really give a fuck about being paid. I just wanted the fight. So I was like, right, mm. I'm going to go up, see if I can get a fight. All the featherweights tested negative for COVID and they made weight. <laughs> so then there was like a small discussion about a lightweight fight dropped out. And... We were, well, I was considering taking that, but then fair play to Lou and Wayne, they stepped in and were like, look, we're not, we're not going to let you fight the lightweight at featherweight again. Like, yeah. like not a pro. It's like, there, there is a line here. We're not going to let you cross. So they put a stop to that. And that was that. So that's fight. really interesting because that, um, not that specific situation, but I was speaking to Lewis obviously last on Thursday, just gone. And then um, he was on about some of the situations he's been in. And I kind of put it to him that if one of your boys was in that situation, would you put your foot down and say, "Hundred percent, no. yeah, I wouldn't." And he said, himself. "Yeah, yeah." But he said, "If it was me, I probably would have done it." Yeah, well, actually, I didn't even know the discussion was going on for the lightweight fight. Ah, okay. He literally told me afterwards. He was like, "Yeah, like they, they did mention it to me because I remember saying about it." But when by the time they mentioned it to me, it, it was, was like dead. this has already been ruled out. You're not yeah. doing. You're not doing it. Full stop. And I think long term, it's a risk, and it like obviously if you. If you do it and you win, then great. Mm. Then it is good, Nick, because you yeah. beat someone bigger than you, blah, blah, blah. But it could do probably more damage than good. Yeah, to be honest, I think I wasn't even that keen for it. The reason being is, I think... You were there. You early on, the yeah. Moment, that would have been the, the reason for. But the reason against was, like, our cage-wise level. In fact, it doesn't really get commented on. Mm. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, by the way, this this guy's in here now as a featherweight. So obviously, you would have weighed in at lightweight, but you've already trimmed your body down yeah. to a featherweight frame. Like, no one's going to be saying, yeah, he's probably outweighed by 10 pounds. He's probably, yeah. like, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's literally just going to be, oh, yeah, we've got a lightweight fight. Yeah, versus this guy, versus this guy. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. So I was a bit like, I would do it. But you want to get... they made a point of... You want the credit for doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember when I, when, I beat the, um, when I beat the guy at Amateur, who was a weight class up, at no point was the weight mentioned by anyone. It's mad, though, isn't it? And you're like... I think I said not like I think I said in the post I was like guys yeah it was a good win and he is a good opponent like take nothing away from mm. him we were not the same size yeah. nowhere near like just call it for what it is like should say shouldn't they really like should make a point of it like why there's so such a big difference in yeah, size yeah. like the um which one which one of your fights was the one where you had a bit of a oh, scuffle afterwards? that was Crawford that I thought it was so. Didn't I like his behavior. I yeah, know. I was upset with Crawford because of the pulling out the Manchester thing. Yeah, and I think I wouldn't. It's not pulling out that annoys you. Pullouts happen. You know what I mean. So like, but it's the there was lack no, of there was no reason, no nothing. nothing. Like, I'm speculating a bit here, but I'm pretty sure 
that him and his team didn't understand the COVID measures. So they hadn't planned. Like they were planning to turn up like the day before weigh-ins like you normally do. And then that was that. And then okay, K2 okay. was like, well, mate, wait, what the fuck? You need to be here like three days in advance of that because of all mm. the testing. And then they were like, oh, well, it's not coming. So I was like to go through all of that prep. And I did, I, I tend to torture myself in my training as well. Mm. Like I put a lot of effort into it, especially that one as well. Um, so for it's a big was, fight for you though, wasn't it? Like it was, yeah, it, it was, was the first th- test. Real, like, real test. Yeah. And I think when you kind of marry up him pulling out what you put yourself through in training and then the way he was sort of during and after the fight yeah. it was a bit like mate yeah. you should be and like especially when we spoke afterwards I was like he should have been apologising to you more than and for pulling out yeah. I mean I, I can see a bit why he was upset I mean at the end of the day like when we were facing off in the cage like I was just hurling abuse at him good so like I can Not see good, why you would like that. I can but see why yeah. you'd be like. I can see why you would be giving it a bit like. Yeah. So then at the, the exact same time, then as soon as the fight ended, he was he had his back to me because he'd like turned on the bell to see his coach. Mm. So I called to him and offered my hand, and he was like, "Nah." Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, "Hey, fuck you, like, fucking bitch, like you just mm. literally had your chance to fight. Now that we can't fight, yeah, you still have, especially when his issue in that fight was a lack of output." Like you yeah. didn't, you didn't really do a great deal. Um, yeah, you kind of it like both ways, I suppose. Can you? You can't sort of give it a big end or whatever, not fight, or when you've got a chance, and then when it finishes, that was it. Start giving that it a big end again. It's like well, you just had the chance to punch me in the face, mate. Yeah, I got stitched up a little bit now because in the first round, I heard him with the left hook on the cage, took him down, and I landed some good shots from on top mm-hmm. of him. So I literally. I think in the in the first round, I took literally no strikes, bar an illegal knee to the to the spine. That's right. Yeah. When I was looking for a Kimura, he elbowed my spine. It actually really hurt as well. Like he did something to my back, so literally mm. my back was locked up the whole fight. Um, but it was like I say, a dominating round, and then in round two, pretty much it was the same thing. I landed more leg kicks in round two than he landed total strikes, and I took him down and took his back, but then. I think with about two minutes or so of the round to go, we got back on our feet and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to struggle in for a little bit. Mm. And then, because round two was less dominating than round one, it was almost being communicated like it was a close round. Yeah, and I was it like, wasn't. Watching it back, I was like, this is not close. Like, not even close. Um, and then in all fairness, first time it's happened ever, but in the third round, I was a bit like, I won't lie, I was so injured going into that fight. Mm. Like, unbelievably fucked. Won't go into too many details, but it's tough, tough, fuck it. I've never said this to anyone because, um, like, it's just classless, isn't it? Talking about yeah. injuries and stuff. But I basically had a crack in my sternum, so where oh, it was bad, like really bad. So I didn't spar for like three weeks before the fight. Basically, did no contact before the fight. Um, we did like a test, like light spar, to see if Lou was gonna let me fight. I'm on top of one of the boys and my chest cracks. And I'm like, look, just let me stay on top of you for a sec. Like, just just so just I can like make out I'm all right. Yeah. He's like, all right, cool. So get through it anyway. Lou's gonna let me fight. I'm cutting weight on the floor and my fucking sternum locks up. So like literally I'm like on the floor, like stuck. And this is probably like 6 a.m. So what's that? Like four hours before weigh-ins. And I literally can't fucking move. So we get into the, we get into the cage 
but sorry, we get into the into the round, so the third round, and literally it just hit me. It was like, mate, you're two rounds up clearly. Mm. If he hits you in the chest, yeah, yeah, like it might be fight over. Like you don't really know what's gonna happen. Yeah, the thing is, a good body like body kick or something could take you out anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like, if you've got a crack sternum. That sounds brutal. It obviously it was bad. And to be honest, that hit me and I had a massive adrenaline dump and I was like, right, just When did you find out the that, you, uh, that it was as bad as Oh, uh, he, he said he, he knew he knew the injury was there, but at the same time sometimes you're gonna you gotta do what you gotta do. Oh yeah, I, I he we even said like Thursday, like the fighters wanna fight the night and you know that. Yeah. You just gotta be there when Yeah it's the point where they where you gotta say like you gotta take it out of their hands, I suppose. But like, um, yeah, that's that's brutal. Yeah. So, what, so in the third round, you kind of not held back a bit, but no, like I say literally held back. I was like, it just, a little bit. Just get through this round. Like he's not really gonna try and take you down. He has got a massive amount of output. He's just gonna mm. bomb my left hand. I didn't really want to wrestle because wrestling was aggravating it. Mm. Um. So I was like, right, just stay on the feet. Don't let him hit you. Just be relatively busy with the jab, just to keep him off you, and then go from there. He definitely won the round, hundred percent. So we go into the scorecards, two rounds to me, and then he starts acting aggro and starts saying things like, "Oh, who would you rather be?" and stuff. And I was looking at him, I was like, "Mate, you're a fucking idiot!" <laughs> like seriously, you're a fucking idiot. Obviously, he doesn't know about the injury and stuff, but like you clearly lost two rounds to one, and you're gonna act as if you've been yeah. this massive entertaining fighter trying to finish it. Um. So yeah, fuck him anyway. It's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna see him now in uh, in London because he's fighting Aiden James on the same card. That'd be a good fight. Yeah, I think I think Aiden will do him to be fair. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he still got his niggas in the twist because he trains a GB top team now as well. So interesting. So you will definitely see him on you because you'll be um, you'll be training. Yeah, he trains with the guy that I'm gonna be fighting. Yeah. Interesting. No, it is what it is, isn't it? Like, I can't see. I could see why, like. I get it in some ways, but like he's got to understand as well that you are more pissed, more to be pissed off about. Like, do you know what I mean? Well, that's what I would say. So, but then I tell you what, though, at the same time, but then he so might he might look at it as like the fight got called, the first fight got called off, and then the second fight you were just chucking abuse at him, yeah, straight away. So he just thought you were a bit of a prick, like, yeah. And full disclosure as well, and I'm pretty sure I did this before he pulled out. I think it was the first time we were gonna fight when they announced the fight. Yeah, I don't think he's got Instagram. Okay. So I just hashtagged like media outlets and was like, somebody who knows him, tell him I said I'm gonna fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> so he might not have liked well, me that's for that part reason. Of the game, well, and I meant it as well. I wasn't trying to sell anything. I meant it. Mm. But, so whether he was upset about that. It is part of the game. Man. Yeah. It, um, but yeah, they say you'll have a fight with Aiden. I think Aiden will beat him. Yeah, Aiden's good. Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, he's a uh, good fight, though. Yeah, yeah I say he's interesting. He went down to Bantamweight. Mm. But he doesn't look like that's a fun cut for him. No, don't think any, any weight cuts are fucking fun. Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely what, um, not. So what, what abuse were you saying to it, man? I want to know now. To be honest, I don't even really remember. Because you know it's like when you're yeah. in that zone, you're just talking, but... He was like, say, simulating like he was gonna hit me with elbows and with knees, and I was just telling him. I was but he didn't. Like, from what I can remember, he didn't hit you with anything. No, much. no, not really. Say, even in the even in the third round, he landed a couple of like, like long straights, but nothing heavy. Um, it's a really yeah. weird thing. Like, 
and I don't mean necessarily specifically to him, but like there's these fighters who um they kind of give you the big end about their strikes and stuff, and then sometimes they'll get in the cage and they barely throw anything, and you just like your whole persona and game yeah is about like you know your elbows and your striking, and you're not doing anything, and I I don't understand it at all because like. If you've got someone who's a wrestler or a grappler, they you know they're looking to to do that in nine times out of ten. Mm. But for some reason now and again, and you know it could be anything, couldn't it? it could be range and all that sort of stuff. But like there's been a few over the years. Like he remember when um, who was it? Was it Derek Lewis and Ngannou? Oh, in the between. And it was like yeah. three or four, five rounds of like they barely threw a punch, and you're yeah, like crazy. We've just watched you two for the last ten years. Just knock out everyone yeah, who comes yeah. away, like, and then you and fight you each other, and you don't. can't even. So I got to give him credit because then this leads into the next fight. Then when I fought Manny Akpan, he's he is somebody who epitomizes being dangerous on the feet. Yeah, like, he's a very good fighter. He is. Say, so I, I think I he's really underrated by some people. I do. I I rate him in some ways, and I underrate him in others. Like I think, in terms of like controlling the fight, mm. I don't think he's particularly capable of doing that but what he is capable of doing is throwing crazy shit at any time yeah um, he's an exciting fighter isn't he yeah like say maybe his fight IQ is not yeah or, say, or maybe it's really good level. you know where he just he plays, sure. he plays that element like with me he didn't even try to clinch with me mm. as soon as we clinched he pulled guard I think he pulled guard like five times in one round makes sense um, and just tried another five ground and pound from that position um, say so what he's at me with to be fair to him is just a crazy unorthodox technique like throwing a spinning hook kick from a clinch is nuts so I, I definitely want that one back for sure mm. but I so what you'd like to beat this beat, guy now and then yeah beat Nick ask for the Manny rematch if they give it to me great if they don't beat somebody else ask for the Manny rematch and just keep going after that because do you know what I mean I could go on a 15 fight win streak now and then Manny still got that over me I can't really let that lie yeah. I can't like Lou wants me to but I can't I'm not really wired that way so but I guess it's it's one of them things, and it like, as a fighter and as a competitor, you wanna. You wanna prove that it was like a, a flash and not a flash in the pan, but like, mm. I wouldn't even I don't even want to say a fluke because yeah, like what he did, yeah, I would yeah I wouldn't call it a fluke either. I think because he's done that sort of shit before. Yeah, it's skill and he's good at it. But like, it's just you want to prove that. I can be you him, could basically. be better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said I would never call it a fluke. At the end of the day, like. He's thrown a technique. The technique's worked. So in no... So many no practices, isn't it? It's yeah. Day. I, don't, I, say, I don't even want to say something like if we fight 10 times, I win X amount. Because mm. at the end of the day, we fought once. And that's yeah. that. So you can't say anything else. But um, no, I'm definitely not afraid of him. I definitely want to get that back. So we'll see where that goes. So what about... Um, you got this fight coming up. When What's the date? The uh, 18th of March. Is it, week, is it a week before UFC London? Or uh, the day before. The day before. Yeah, what are we Friday night. It's going to be insanity. That yeah, no, it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. I'm looking forward to it, to be fair. So, uh, March 8th, 18th, I got someone really big coming in here on that day as well. It's going to be an awesome, yeah. awesome weekend. <laughs> um, so, who are you fighting, do you say? Oh, say yeah, Nick Bagley from Nick Team Bagley, Top Team. Yeah. So, he's good. He's um, he's 2-0 and now. He last fought, he last fought on Cage-wise. He beat Scott Patterson. In all fairness to him, he did, did a really good job. Yeah, Scott's um, Scott's coming on the fight show. Actually, I spoke to him yesterday. He's um, he's really tough fighter. Scott is like he's hard. Like, 
And then I said this to Danny on Sunday, like, I think with Scott, it's only my opinion, like from someone from the outside, I just think eventually it's going to click for him. Like you can yeah. see at the moment, he's got like really good elements. Elements, yeah. like he just hasn't quite put it all together into one, even on in the Bellator fight on Friday. Like, you know, he stayed in that fight. I thought that Kelly, but she thought, I thought he looked really good. Yeah. And I actually think he looks, if he continues to improve, he looks like he could go and be something. Um, but I just think Scott's got all the elements, or a lot of the elements, he just kind of. One fight will come along, and, and it'll yeah, all just it. kind I of click. Because so. like, anyone who spends any time with him knows how hard he works. Mm. Always training, all the time. Especially with the people he trains with, the coaches. Yeah. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? When you've got all those elements together, plus the coaches and the people he's sparring and training with, like I, I really believe that he'll it'll just click for him. Yeah. But he's young and he's still like relatively yeah. young. No, I think it's quite nice. You know, you know, it's like with MMA, it's crazy. Isn't it like couple of wins or a couple of losses it flips everything quick yeah big um, time I think it's even more so in the UK scene mm. because Cage Warriors particularly but like Cage Warriors Bellator UFC but like the, the UK side of those like Bellator and UFC like everyone once you get to like the unofficial say top 15 of those British fighters in each weight class they're all good enough to be in like yeah. the UFC or whatever so it's yeah. like if you go on a run, it can happen very quickly for you. If you, but you can also come up against a couple of guys just in a row, by almost like not by chance, but you just come up against two good fighters who are better than you on the night, and it's not necessarily because you've lost it or because you've done anything wrong. Yeah, it's just the standards of kind of high like. I think particularly in cage warriors featherweights division. Yeah, so say it's a bit of a joke how good it is at the minute. I think there's a couple of divisions in Cage Warriors where it's just like most of these guys would probably compete if they went and yeah. stuck them in the UFC. Yeah, yeah, or, I think so. I say most of the boys probably agree with that. Like, pretty much all of us have sparred or fought plenty of UFC Bellator guys. Mm. And you're like, yeah, he's good. I'm not saying that he was bad. Yeah, of course. But by no means is it a different level. Yeah. Um, so. Cage Warriors gone up a whole. Like another in the last couple of years, just been the standard of fighter is like a just a whole yeah. new level. Like, so you look at that that title fight in it with Paul Hughes and Chernick. Oh, so like, uh, both of them go in the UFC tomorrow, no problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost disappointed that they're gonna do that match. Um, I don't think Danny will mind me saying, like, I know that there was a there was at least a discussion, should we say, at some point. Where they might not do it because they both might go to the UFC. Might, like, might both go anyway, yeah. So like, like Jordan, um, he's like special. But Paul, so's Paul Hughes. They're both very good. Yeah, in fairness. And um, like Jordan's so sound as well, which is it's really weird. Like, because you almost feel like the amount of because he's got such a big following as well. Mm. So like, you always feel like with someone who's got like such a big following is special and is like as talented as he is he's the champion and you know x y and z you feel like he should have like a bit of a 
like a bit of an eye, he should be a bit like a bit of a cock or something, like he should just be like yeah. a bit arrogant. So he's he's a bit of time with him recently, we sparred a couple of times in the camp yeah. for this one. I was going to say, you yeah, were a very nice guy, yeah. It, um, so I went up there a few times now, I've only sparred with Jordan twice, mm. or three times, but on the first one he broke his hand. Yeah. So we literally did one round and that was that. Um, but yeah, no, I say nice guy, good fighter. Don't think he'll be in um, Cage Warriors much longer, to be honest. Yeah. I think they'll both go to UFC. I, 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 I think so. I think so. Which means that featherweight title will be up for grabs, but Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But at the same time, man, the UFC roster is so packed. Whether they'll let two featherweights come in, I don't know. So I'm hearing plenty of stories where they're like, they want to sign whoever, but they can't because they've got like seven other guys. They've got the to get rid of some people, I think, haven't they? But the, the problem is, this, like you say, their roster is so bloated. But then I think there's a lot of guys who could probably. Either, either have had their chance in the UFC yeah. and probably have shown they're not quite up to it or there's a lot of guys who are coming to the end of their career yeah the trouble is you know the guys who are coming to the end they're the ones that attract viewers because people know who they are yeah that's it isn't it like people don't necessarily so you need, to pit, you need to pit them against the younger guys don't you it's cold isn't it like say so you're mm. basically killing off a legend of the game by building someone else up but that's kind of what the game is. Well, they tried to run Jim Miller, didn't they? He keeps beating the young guys. Yeah, certainly. Well, there was talk Legend. of them putting Paddy against um, Cowboy Cerrone at yeah. UFC London. I was intrigued by that because I think Paddy would beat him. But I was also like, second fight in, that's a big, big yeah, name. Yeah, it's a big have. jump. But then they've gone from that to giving him some, with all due respect to the guy, like a lesser known guy, yeah, yeah. I forget who's matching that, but yeah. I, I, I never, I hadn't heard of him, like, and you know, maybe that's my ignorance, or maybe it's, it's just not that well known. I don't know, but like, you know, you'd expect Paddy to put him away, like I would have thought. Yeah. He's, he's just, he was so clever though. Um, Paddy was in how he worked, like how he and Graham and how they managed his career, because he could have gone. When he was like 19, 20, when he won the featherweight title, and he didn't, and then he lost a couple of fights, and kind of got rid of some people around him and yeah. hangers on and whatever, and then he's and I think now, like his last few Cage Warriors fights, his all round game, it just looked. I remember saying to Danny after, I can't remember. I think it was the the last one he won by flying triangle. I can't remember if it was his last fight or like the one before. yeah I think it's been a couple since then but yeah I know what you mean but like he um, I said to Danny like when we were talking about it on the Sunday show like I said I, this, I can't see anyone like who I look at it and I just think yeah he should fight him next because there was no one like in know, that lightweight yeah, division it was, it was I felt like was anywhere near his level especially in terms of like following as well yeah like he's got a big following like how do you sell a fight like uh, like a cage warriors level if one guy has got like this massive following and he was just tapping out everyone with like flying triangles or whatever in mm. short amount of time and then you look at the opponent they're going to put him in with and you're like look you know you're a good fighter but you're not like do you know what i mean there's yeah. such a big gap and then that's going to be and then they they stopped putting it. He wasn't the main event then for a couple of fights because yeah. the opponent, I think anyway, that the reason he wasn't in the main event anymore for his last couple was because the opponent wasn't. They didn't feel like it would sell a fight. Yeah, like, I got you. Whereas they had like Hughes and Butchnik and yeah, 
Well, like, who do you think is going to win out of Jordan and Paul Hughes? I do think Jordan, to be fair. Um, like, maybe I'm a little bit biased now, trained with Jordan a little mm. bit, like Jordan. Um, so, you're, like, so you're looking at that, that first fight. Fuck, I've got a bad memory because I can't remember the rounds, but Jordan was doing really well in the first. Until, grabbed the cage, didn't he? Yeah, Paul grabbed Changed the cage. Changed the whole thing of that yeah, round. Yeah, he used that to hit the switch. <coughs> got a decent top position off the switch and then had a really good round. And I'm a bit like... It's naughty. It is very, very naughty. Um, and then the following two rounds, so I, I agree with the judges where I gave it narrowly to Jordan. Yeah. So I just think, if you look at that fight and you take away that fence grab... He wins three. Yeah, but then at the same time, rounds two and three were really, really close. I was so it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 they're both good they're both really they are good. both very good both very big for the weight as well so I was surprised how big Jordan is mm. um, quite tall as well isn't he? yeah that's it yeah so it's not even just like muscle muscle mass and density he's tall on top of that so so yeah no, they're both good so evenly matched evenly sized it's going to be interesting yeah it's going to be a fight I do think Jordan probably win um, right so you're fighting um dude from top team who I keep forgetting his name. <laughs> yeah. Um Buckley, wasn't I? Uh, Bagley, yeah. Bagley. Yeah. I apologise. Um this is camera. Send him a message, mate. No, I'll probably talk to him in the cage. You know me, I like to talk face to face. He likes to abuse these people yeah. before you fight him. Yeah, no, no, no. see he's got he's got a he's got a fair bit of buzz. Um a lot of it deserved, you know what I mean? Like mm. go out, beat Scott the way he beat Scott, like credit to him, he deserves. The hype he got. I'm pretty sure Cage Warrior signed him exclusively to them after that. Um, is he um, a striker, is he, or is he like a grappler? Prim- primarily, he seems like a wrestler. I'm sure he can strike a little bit too. But um, to be honest, it's, again, I don't feel like doing like my argument through a camera, I'd rather do it face to face, but just, just fuck him in it. Like, you get this with the fight game. Like, everyone tries to be like semi respectful whilst, like, whilst also like subtly having digs. Yeah. So I'd just be like, look, you fucking stay on your side of the cage, I'll stay on mine, let's have a fucking proper scrap. Afterwards, we can shake hands, no problem. Then at the same time, you're not going to see us fucking hugging and kissing afterwards either. Mm. Let's just let's just handle business and then, and that'll be that. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a fucking good fight, to be honest, because to his credit, I don't expect him to be easy to take down. I'm pretty sure I will get him down. But I don't, I'm confident it won't be easy. Yeah. I know I'm a fucking nightmare to take down and more difficult to keep down. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if big portions are spent of it with, say, two guys with a very similar body type and a very similar fight style just meeting in the centre, fighting for the centre. Mm. So it's gonna be, be a, it's gonna be an interesting one. I think um, you know he's got a, he's training with a good team as well, um, with some high level people. Yeah. So he's certainly gonna be a challenge for you, isn't it? And uh, be a, I'll be watching, mate, because uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, thank you. See how it goes. I'm I'm really looking forward to like that weekend. It's going to be mental. I just I I'm really happy that it's on the 18th. But um, because I've got so much going on now, those three days it's yeah, going to yeah. be like Christmas. But um, so uh, what I've been finishing off these shows with, mate, is uh, it's kind of like a nice easy question, nice hard question. Depends how you look at it. But uh, everyone interprets it differently. Okay, here we and go. And that is, um, uh, Ben Ellis, what's the meaning of life? Oh, uh, I see. I got me on the pressure. I saw Lou's answer to this. Yeah, it's a beautiful answer. And yeah, you can't, you can't stick with that. Um, meaning of life. See, I want to try and be funny, but I know I can't compete with Lou with being funny. So I'll just say, do what makes you happy. 
uh, don't really give a shit what others think. Um, look after those close to you and job done. Sports Social Podcast Network.